Come, Holy Spirit, speak through my mouth. Come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts. Amen. So we are in the 10th week of hearing Paul's letter to the church in Rome, and we have two more weeks to go. It's a long letter. It's the longest of Paul's surviving letters. It was written late in Paul's career, and it's different from his other letters because it was the only one that he wrote to a Christian community that he did not establish and had not visited. From the moment that Saul had his transformative experience and became a Christian and was renamed Paul, he was on a mission to spread the good news of the gospel by traveling all over the Roman Empire. But writing to Rome, well, that was a little bit different. Rome was the center of empire. And Paul clearly works hard to engage followers in, of Jesus in Rome to focus on the church, Christ, and scripture as the authorities that they should be turning to and not on the government as the authority. Paul is writing to a church divided, a church attempting to recover from the damaging effects imposed upon them by empire. In the year 49, all Jewish people were expelled from Rome by the Emperor Claudius, and this included Jewish Christians. Just five years later, in 54, people of Jewish culture were able to return to the city, but damage had been done. Prior to the expulsion, the church in Rome was culturally both Hellenistic and Jewish. Christians from both backgrounds worshipped together in community. But in 54, when the culturally Jewish Christians returned to Rome, they found a church changed. One that reflected a more Hellenistic cultural worldview and one that didn't feel like home to them anymore. And I think we can relate to that idea that we want church to feel like home, especially when it's the church that was our home. And how unsettling it could be when the tension is there and we just don't feel like we fit. This is the context that Paul is addressing in his letter. He wrote to the Romans just a, <clears throat> just a few years later. <clears throat> See, this is what happens when I talk about Paul. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Woo. Okay. So Paul's writing just a few years after this whole thing happened. It's in the year about 57. And he knew he had a really big task in front of him. Not only did he ha not have a personal connection with any of the people that he was writing to, but he knew that there was a really big divide that he had to bridge. So he uses all the tools available to him, which included the way that the letter was written. We don't think about that very often, but these are choices that these authors made. The literary structure that he used was very familiar to most people from the Mediterranean culture. So it would have put the members of the congregation who were culturally Hellenistic at ease. And he uses lots of specifically Hebrew scriptural sources to speak directly to those who came from a Jewish background. 
Paul quotes Hebrew scripture approximately 89 times in all of his letters that survive. And 59 of those are in this letter. So why does he put so much effort in? Because the message he had to share was very important. He was attempting to show the coherence and deep connection between the gospel of God as lived through Jesus Christ and Israel's scriptures. Paul illustrated over and over that the God who inspired the writers of the Hebrew Bible was the same God now inspiring Christianity. An argument, I might add, that we still need to remember today, because I hear fairly often, oh, I like the God of the New Testament. I'm not really very familiar. I don't really like the God of the Old Testament. Or let's just focus on Jesus, because that's all we need. Since the very beginning of our religious tradition, scholars like Paul have been reminding believers that God is God. And we don't get to pick and choose which parts of scripture that we pay attention to. We have to put scripture into context. We do need to interrogate it. We need to wrestle with it. But we can't just dismiss parts of it that don't make sense to us or don't work for us. And this is particularly important for me when I consider Paul's letters. Because truthfully, I don't ever want to talk about Paul's letters. But my professor of New Testament in seminary was a Pauline scholar. No surprise there. She focused on the letters that Paul wrote. And she said that we had to be careful. We should avoid the stonewall approach, as she called it. Paul said it. It's in the Bible, so I have to believe it. We also have to avoid the discredit approach. Paul isn't really worth listening to. He's just one guy, and he never met Jesus. Perhaps most of all, I, personally, have to be careful to avoid the eclectic approach. Take what you like and already agree with and dismiss the rest. Instead, she encouraged us to take Paul seriously, but not literally. To focus on what was meant and less on the specifics that he uses as illustration, because those are particular to the people he was writing to. But the sense of what he was saying remains unchanged. So after all that context, what about the portion of Romans that we heard today is specifically Christian? Because in some ways, it is essentially a list of how we might live that any person of good moral value would list. So what's specifically Christian about it? Also, it's kind of, in some ways, like a poetic litany that allows us to feel good about ourselves without having to really think about what the text is actually saying. Too often, we may be tempted to cast ourselves as superheroes and our enemies as villains. We decide that because we have faith and we love as Christians, then we are making the world a better place. But those other people, while well, they're destroying it. We know the right course of action, and they are holding us back. We think things like, why can't my siblings give as much to this family as I do? Or, 
That politician is the worst, and my choice would have been the best. We judge, and we live in division, and we do not stop to assess our own actions actions, but instead we evaluate ourselves based on our best intentions. Loving like God in Christ, as Paul tells us, comes in the form of self-sacrificial giving, not ignoring injustices or the needs of others, not timidly withdrawing, but loving with zeal, commitment, action. Be willing to set rivalry aside. Be honest about our own sins and shortcomings, and always look for the best in others. And we do this because Jesus instructs us, as we heard today in Matthew, to be cross-bearers. Jesus tells his disciples that those who want to follow him will have to take up their cross. This is what we as disciples are called to do. And this is not meant to be a type of self-denial that keeps people in abusive situations or the type of circumstance characterized by someone claiming that this is my cross to bear. No, that is performative love, which makes suffering all about us. Cross-bearing is what Paul describes in Romans. These virtues are the things that characterize cross-bearers. These are the actions and attitudes that make our lives meaningful. Genuine love for others, tenaciousness in, tenacious in goodness and perseverance even as evil encroaches, patience in suffering, blessing even those who persecute us, cultivating empathy, Rejecting opportunities for retribution. When we serve others with compassion, setting aside our own agendas for personal advancement in favor of meeting human need, then we are living as Jesus calls us to live and doing it as Paul describes in the letter to the Romans. When we love like this, we become living icons Others can look through us and see the God we love, who loves us and loves the world. On every level, we see examples of casting ourselves as superheroes and others as villains within the church, at the international, national, and local levels. We are a church divided, just like the church in Rome was. It is a true thing. But Paul has a strong word for us in this letter. So let us be followers of Jesus. Let us take up our cross using love in all its forms as tools for resisting evil. Because the truth is that the good that affects one of us impacts us all. But so too does the evil that affects one of us impact us all. <laughs>